listeners, and welcome to the Zero to 100 podcast, where the only thing hotter than the topics we discuss are the takes we bring to the debate desk. Zero to 100 is hosted by your favorite and OG members of the NWO, Alex Crescenti, Eric Padilla, and Zach DeSalvo. Let's get after it. So last night, or I guess two nights ago now, the last dance finally concluded, um, and it seems like over from what everything that i read it sounded like the the viewership was really good for this what did you guys think of of i guess the final two episodes and just the documentary overall i thought it was a fitting ending um going into this i knew that there was going to be some challenges making the episode complete and whole because what we first learned at the beginning of this documentary is they were still working on episodes nine and ten at the start because they had to move up the schedule because of the whole situation we're in with the quarantine and um, this was originally going to be played I believe during the NBA finals in between uh, off days and so I thought them pulling that together and having just a really great episode diving into some of the biggest stories of MJ's career in terms of what we I mean the two Utah series are two of the most famous when it comes to people's minds I mean the flu game and then the 98 series as well and so i thought those were those were fascinating to watch i had no idea that it was pizza i mean i had known that it was i heard that like sushi or some sort of food poisoning but i had never heard that it was pizza that is what did him in and now i'm like well I, i've heard all these things in the last 24 or 48 hours of all these place people that like claim to know who did it or what the place was but I'm like, I don't know if that's just like Utah folklore or if that is legit. But it was, it was pretty Everyone fascinating. Once their minute of fame, yeah. Yeah, I got to agree with Kriseni. Um, Overall, I thought this series was, was great. It was a great uh, representation of uh, Michael Jordan himself. We actually got to see the other side of, of Jordan, not just the competitor, all about basketball, ass type of player that people said he was. Um, he actually, he actually showed emotions and um, showed that he was actually human. Um, with this, Crescenia said this multiple times, um, this kind of just showed that MJ was larger than life, especially in an age of, with no social media like today. Like imagine if Twitter and all that kind of stuff was around back then, how much bigger all this would have been blown up to be and Really, it could have easily created him into a hero and a villain at the same time. Because, I mean, we see that exactly with LeBron today. Um, I thought that the last two episodes um, before these two on Sunday um, got pretty deep and got pretty serious. And the next two episodes stayed the same, basically, just were pretty serious, showed the relationship that Michael Jordan had with one of his security guards, basically um, needed that father figure in his life after his dad passed away. Um, the Basically, the one thing I got out of these last two episodes was how much um, camera time these role players got throughout this whole series, like, um, like Paxson, Cartwright, Wennington, Kerr and Armstrong like all these all these role players basically gave us the insight on basically how Michael was as a player as a teammate um, that was really interesting these weren't the best players and I feel like they knew that at the time they knew Jordan was 
the one that was basically the guy on the team. And they basically just went out and did what they were supposed to and just played to where, like, in today's NBA, you get role players that basically show frustration and um, basically show – just express emotions, express basically that they want to be paid, want the ball more, stuff like that. It just kind of shows that in different eras, the roles are completely different. And um, the one thing that I thought was really interesting about these last two episodes was Steve Kerr's story. I had no idea that that was how his dad died. And I had no idea that his dad even died. And so it was crazy to me that him and MJ had like like similar death stories for their dads. And um, it kind of went to show, he kind of talks about it too, where he says they asked him if him and, MJ ever talked about like their, the death stories of their dads and uh, Kerr said no but he said that he thought that Michael was like aware and that's where their connection kind of came from so I thought that was pretty interesting um, <laughs> the Dennis Rodman part just his hiatus of when he left and just went to the WWF and just kind of hung out with the NWO knowing that he had games to play in the next few days and just basically shows up like nothing even happened, went out, played his game. They won a title and then he went out and started partying again. That's a, um, that, that's a part video where I wonder how the media would react today. I mean, it looks like they reacted I, I, uh, the same way they would react today. It was like, it was a media firestorm um when he did that so i was like well that'd be really interesting if someone were to pull that off if say oh gosh who played in last year's finals who's a role player or who who's even a starter well just life? well just say anyone like, like going to yeah that. just drink yeah i mean that's yeah i i felt like uh i think the closest thing that i can think of to that almost reminded me of and this is way this isn't even close but like um, when all those New York Giants players were on like the boat the day before the game against the Packers and then they show up the next day and just get like waxed by them like I felt like everyone oh, like when when that picture was released like everyone was saying how you know these guys aren't focused like they shouldn't be that out was a week before the game actually was it that was it really I thought it was like, yeah, the day before. I think they played like their week 17 game down in Miami and then they stayed down there. And then they stayed down there for like a couple of days or a day or whatever it was. And then they flew back and then they, you know, they practiced and whatnot. I mean, cause they didn't have a buy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was, that was sort of a media firestorm, but at the same time, I was like, did it actually impact the team? I mean, was, was it a huge distraction? I, I don't, yeah, I, I don't, don't think so. Think so. No I don't think so because they, that's the thing with Rodman. They knew what he was. They knew what he liked to do. And so basically they were just kind of like, oh, Dennis is gone, whatever. Let's just practice whatever. He'll be back type of deal. And, yeah, he came back. And wasn't that during the finals too? Yeah. Yeah, that was during yeah. the finals. So that's yeah, – yeah, that's crazy. Like you said, Kriseni, I feel like today if that were to happen, media would blow that up. Yeah, like, it would be on every single channel. It would be on like network TV, not even just sports TV. Yeah, it, I mean, it goes to it. show too how good that team kind of kept it together, even though like Rodman was like the focus at the time. Like, where is he? What's he doing? And well, I mean, I, thought, uh, I mean, you saw the Bill, part where they're trying to sneak him out of the building, and then the 500 cameramen 
come running after him after he one of them notices him and yeah that was pretty that was a pretty cool visual to see because like yeah to see him running up the stairs and the one guy sees him and they go after him yeah it's just it's it's nuts um but then again i'm like it's like all right we we know this about rodman but they also knew i'm like he was going to perform on the court it's like so whatever he does off the court he's he's a one-of-a-kind personality so he can kind of get away with that so i kind of looked at that part and i'm like is this actually a, as big of a deal or are they just trying to fill time here um i i mean i feel like it was because i mean it was during the finals and yeah. it was it yeah but it, it felt it like it was like they'd already been over the whole rodman thing like they'd already you know we'd already seen for 92 hours before. you know right you know um yeah it's, i think you oh, oh go ahead Zach. Yeah. well i i think the, kind of what pedia said about how the two the two episodes before these last two kind of we got the more of the emotional side i thought that the like that seventh episode I think was the best. And then I I was like, I almost was a little disappointed in the last two that they didn't, I just felt like we never really got the insight to like his personal life and his family. And I almost felt like it was going that direction when they started talking about the death of his father. But then like, it was really awkward how they brought in his two kids for like 20 seconds to talk about how well, Utah was a crazy environment. Like I almost like, did they that, get some sort of backlash? Like, and they all of a sudden were like, oh, let's edit these guys in there really quick. Like, I don't know. I felt like that was weird to not – I thought we'd get something with the kids or with his ex-wife. Like, I don't know. That was kind of odd. Yeah, that's what – I mean, I was listening to Bill Simmons earlier who was a basically a founder of 30 for 30 here. And that's where he sort of explains with these executive producers that are basically in Jordan's camp. Right. Say over certain material and, and whatnot. And so that's where it's like, okay, you didn't see the ex-wife at all. You saw the kids for a hot second. Um, and that was it. There was no real yeah. personal life besides his mom and his dad. That was it, right? Like and, it almost felt like the most yeah. personal parts were from um, like the stories of the other players, like Pippin's family. Yep. You know, you had the big thing on Kerr's family. Like it felt like they almost did more of a backdrop on those guys than they did on yeah. Michael's personal life, which is kind of weird. Yeah, I, I think yeah, that's they, part part of the reason is because you know Michael had certain says over what they. Yeah, that was clearly off limits. Yeah, because I mean, when you're dealing with that, he has more leverage in this situation, right? So yeah, say what's in it and what's not, and so you have to remember, uh, take looking back at this with a grain of uh, salt there, or grain of whatever the saying is, um, <laughs> uh, that you know it's not completely journalistic; it is entertainment at the yeah. end of the day. And it now, is. I think that became pretty clear, kind of the further into it we got, that it was just it was more of a, you know, an entertainment piece than than a journalistic piece. But I think that um, probably my favorite, one of my favorite parts from these last two, like specifically the, the last two episodes that were new to us was I, when they were talking about, um, you know, specifically like game six and 98 when Pippen goes down and uh, you know, Jordan was kind of talking about how he had to pick and choose his spots where he like exerted energy and he was really able to kind of control the game. Um, I thought that was really cool. And, and that's just one of those things that highlights really how great he is. Cause like to me there's him and LeBron are the only two players that I think have ever really been able to do that where they can truly control an entire game control the pace like it all comes down to them I mean it reminded me a lot of like LeBron and that uh Warriors game one series where he had like 53 points or whatever and was really the only guy on the court but he was able to con control everything I thought that was really cool to kind of hear him talk about how he had to plan that out and yeah you know for him to see them go through those little spurts where he wasn't where he wasn't able to score and he was getting tired and then he was able to kind of pull it together at the end. I thought that was kind of a cool 
insight to that series. Yeah, I think that's a good transition into the fact you mentioned, you know, him being exhausted after that series, but then saying like, oh, we could have won a seventh. I'm like, dude, I don't see it. That team was old and I don't know if they could have taken another emotional deep season like that. I mean, I think them breaking up was the best thing. Yeah. I mean, I think that was the best thing to happen to them because like so much of Jordan's, you know, aura and legacy is all based around how, you know, the last, his last, what, six of his last seven seasons in the NBA, he, you know, pretty much went out winning all those titles. You know, he goes out with that game six performance. And like, I, I think that's part of why so many people think he is the goat is kind of that aura around him. And I think if he doesn't go out that way and they come back the next year and Pippen's gone and Rodman's gone and, you know, they end up losing in the conference finals or, you know, losing earlier than that, or maybe even getting the NBA finals and losing to the Spurs. I feel like that takes away from his legacy. And I don't um, just because in the moment, like you think so many things people say about Jordan, Oh, six and Oh, like that's the big thing. Yeah. So if, if he, if he comes back and doesn't have the team that they had all those other years, I, I yeah, like I think Jerry Krause was right in that situation because, yeah, I mean, it sounds stupid. Why would you give up Rodman and Pippen and Jordan and all this? I'm like, they were never going to win it. Pippen was going to go get more money. He was too expensive to keep. Rodman was going to be gone. He was basically – they wanted him gone. No one wanted him. He, he pushed himself out of the league. And Jordan, uh, it sounds like he wanted to come back, but what was he going to come back to? A bunch of just role players? Yeah. Kerr was well, that's the thing. Off to yeah, the at the end. At the end of that, it, yeah, it just kind of depended on the end of that episode. It kind of stated, like, Pippen ended up getting traded. Rodman got released. Kerr got traded. So it was basically – it just depended on if Michael and Phil Jackson came back and then basically Phil, if they yeah. were able to, like, convince Kraus to keep them. Well, and Phil clearly didn't want to come back. I mean, he was – Oh, no, he was kind of sure out the door. Like, I think that yeah. would have been a huge factor for Michael, too. Like, okay, you come back. You don't have Phil. You don't have – your other two superstars, like, you know, what are you really left with? Yeah. And I think at that point too, I feel like Scott, I feel like with Scotty having those back, those back issues, I feel like that next season, probably if he would have stayed, it might've been even worse. Yeah. Because yeah, at that yeah, point, Jordan was getting time, pretty old. Yeah. And basically, like you said, in that game, like he was having to pick and choose, like, his energy levels and all that kind of stuff. So it just kind of showed that like it was starting to wear on him and stuff like that. And like you said, Zach, you did make a good point about um, him going out basically on top, going out six and oh. Um, he kind of states in there, he's just like, yeah, he would have loved to try for a seventh. He thinks they would have won. He also thinks they probably would have lost too. But I think that's, that, like you said, it's probably for the best. Cause just think if he would have lost that, he probably wouldn't have retired and probably, he probably would have couldn't have lived with himself if he would have lost. Which is that weird too that he said, like when he retired after that season right before the lockout year, like he said he was totally content with everything and you know didn't feel yeah. like he wanted to come back for more. So it's weird now. Like I don't know if it's a change of heart or is it him just you know trying to keep the Jordan stick up and you know like oh I would I, I would I have won seven you know it's. I feel weird. like any player like that would would do that i feel like if lebron was in the same situation and to not have the chance, chance to yeah, yeah. like i mean you always like if you have that chance to go out and possibly win another title after you just won six in the last eight years 
you're going to go out and try. But I think that's just him. It's just regret that they didn't basically go back and try, even though most likely they probably weren't going to since Kraus was already kind of over that team and ready to blow it up. So, Yeah, I wonder a couple things. If A, there would have been a lockout at all if Jordan had returned because he's so valuable to the league. And B, I think him retiring almost makes it a poetic ending in terms of the legend and the mystery that is Michael Jordan because we're left with the mysterious and every great television show that ended. It's like when you leave it on a cliffhanger, you're like, oh, well, what happened? What happened? How would it have ended if we saw it play out? I think that was a fitting ending going him, seeing him go out like that. I don't really count the Wizards years there because it was post 9-11 and I think all all of his salary was going towards – families and victims of, of 9-11. So I, I think um, it, that, that end, ending that 98 season and, and going off, riding out into the sunset there is almost a fitting, perfect ending to the story of Michael Jordan. Yeah, I, I almost like you kind of brought up the, you know, him being on the Wizards and stuff. I, one of the things that I didn't really like about it is I felt like there were they missed the opportunity to talk about so many like I just felt like there were still a lot of moments that I was kind of felt asking myself like oh this didn't really clear anything up like I kind of I I guess going into it maybe I just had higher expectations and thought it was going to be more than a highlight real Nike ad but it, like it felt like a lot of it they skipped over a lot of those kind of cool moments that we could have gotten like I would like have loved to have had it you know, like episode nine is them winning the title and maybe like episode 10 talks about, okay, like what's the landscape of the league? Like what goes into your head when you decide to retire? Like they didn't cover that at all, which was really weird to not, you know, have any sort of like discussion about what he was thinking at that time, you know, him looking at what the league was shaping into. Like, what did you think of, you know, these guys that were coming up at the time and these young stars that were like Iverson and T-Mac and those guys that were coming on the scene? Um, I felt like there was a lot of things that they didn't really cover and it almost just like ended, which I guess was kind of like his career, but, but still, I, like I, that, like was I think that was scary. sort of the point. I mean, if you, because you don't really, it's not like anyone was coming th- for his throne, right. At the time. Um, no one was and in history sort of proved that no one was able to even come close to matching him besides, I guess, Kobe, but um, I, I think. What'd you say? in terms of matching him, no one was able to come close in terms of that legend. And, you know, cause I think what you're getting at Zach is, you know, okay. The future of the league, right. Post 1998 99, the Spurs win it 2000, 2001, 2002 Lakers win it 2003 Spurs win it 2004 Pistons win it 2005 Spurs win it 2006 heat win it 2007 uh, Spurs win it 2008, Celtics win it. And so you're looking at that future and that 10 years after it. Well, is, I, I don't know if that's, that sort of gets past the point of the purpose of the documentary, I think. Yeah, I guess maybe not as far as you were saying. Like I, I more just meant, um, you know, kind of like after he called it quits, like what it would have been interesting to see like what was going through his head. And then like, I know it was the last dance, so it was kind of meant to end at that season but I still think like so much of the mystique of Michael Jordan is like okay well like what has happened to him after that like we I feel like it like it we know what happened in all those games um but we don't know like you know why he really decided to hang it up like why he decided to come back like 
you know, what did he think of how the league was shaping up at the time? So I felt like those were questions that I kind of wanted answers to, but um, maybe this, that wasn't, I mean, I guess clearly that wasn't the purpose of the documentary. Yeah. There was a lot of stuff in there that, like you said, didn't really have too much detail like his relationship with his security guard, Gus, I thought that was going to have a little bit more detail than just yeah. him just being close to him and stuff like that. Like I thought there was going to be a lot more stuff into that. Like I ended up seeing tweets that later after that episode that Michael Jordan was the one that paid for, I think like his chemo and all his cancer treatment and stuff like that. But it didn't explain that at all. And in the documentary or anything like that. And there's there, yeah, there was just a lot of stuff throughout that stuff throughout this series that basically would like they would show clips of it but then they wouldn't fully explain kind of what was going on or what happened type of deal which I mean at the same time it makes it makes sense because I mean the whole purpose of this is just leading up to basically Jordan yeah basically leading up to his 98 year when they won their sixth title so I mean you don't want it to drag on yeah yeah and I mean yeah, I guess you just got to find better ways to do it. But, I mean, at the same time, it was 10, 10 great episodes, and I thought the series was amazing. I feel like it really elevated the aura of Michael, but it also, it really, like, humanized him. I mean, I think, like, we really did get to kind of see a lot of those moments that, you know, these, like, a lot of the kind of star players that we've seen in the last 20 years, like the Kobe's and the LeBron's, that the things that they get criticized for, like, a lot of those things also happened to Michael. Um, which I like, I felt like that was kind of a cool insight to see. I mean, there's so much like mystique around him that it like, everyone's always like, Oh, Michael would never have this bad game. And then like, okay, here's like all these moments where he did. So it was kind of interesting to revisit those too. All right. NFL schedule segment two, uh, looking at weeks five through nine. What's, uh, what do you guys think about week five? What are some of the matchups you're looking forward to here? The, when I'm immediately looking at the schedule and I look at the name brand teams and I'm looking at like matchups, like the Denver New England matchup usually would seem like, Ooh, that's last five years. That's been a yeah. great one to watch. Right. But I'm like, Oh, I have no idea who the quarterbacks are. The same with like Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. I'm like, eh, Cincinnati and Baltimore could be interesting. If Joe Burrow is, is starting to get Maybe hot early a little on the bit season. by then. I was thinking Buffalo versus Buffalo at Tennessee. I feel like could be a good one. Oh, that could be a good, that could have good potential. Or maybe even Carolina at, at Atlanta. Oh, gosh. Carolina's I mean, there's nothing so really great that week. week I mean, Minnesota really at Seattle good. would be, a, will be the, yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, the I mean, I guess game, maybe but... the Chargers, the Chargers at New Orleans. Oh, yeah. That's the Monday night game could be good. Yeah. But it, I mean, that's the idea. Like, what kind of Chargers team are we getting next year? Are we getting a nine and seven Tyrod Taylor team or are we getting like, probably, you know, um, cause I, like I said, I don't expect to see the rookies playing. So I'm taking that into context when I'm looking at a lot of these teams that are going to have new QBs. I'm like, okay, like the Thursday night matchup, Tampa Bay and Chicago sounds great. Right. But I'm like, Oh, Nick no, Foles. That sounds terrible. Ugh. I actually, I, that could be a good one because you're like you said, it's probably going to be Foles, Right. So you're going to have Brady at, Chicago, you know, Foles, a little bit of a Super Bowl matchup again. You get that, you get that blood well, in the water. Brady has his grievances and takes his revenge on. That's uh, right. On Foles and at Chicago, five. that's always a a good place to play on it for a night game too. I mean, 
Uh, yeah, early on in the season where it's not freaking cold. Um, yeah. 20 below zero. Uh, I, I, I guess, I mean, Vegas versus Kansas City has some intrigue there because we're like, okay, are the Raiders – because they looked pretty good in the second half of the season last year. They, they ended the season pretty good and pretty well on, a, on some momentum. I don't know how that carries on into this season, but, you know, um, anytime the Chiefs are playing – you're going to be like, okay, who's going to knock them off? And can yeah. anyone challenge them in that division? I don't think the Raiders have the, the firepower to stay with them, but it's an interesting game to watch um, uh, in that 1 p.m. time slot there. And then you have the most boring of boring matchups, maybe Jacksonville and Houston. Who boy, that could be, that could be the toilet. <laughs> <What about? laughs> um, because if Houston's not good, boy, that division might real, that stink real bad. Yeah, I felt I felt like weeks five through nine when I was going through and picking my teams, I did not see like that great of matchups. I was like looking at these games, and like everything right now for most teams is really up in the air. Like we have no idea what we're going to be getting from some of these teams besides like the top tier teams. But uh, I think in my week six, I have like so many. I think it's week six. Those ones are tough because you get into the buys, so it's like you start losing a lot of no, those. No, it's week seven. I got a bunch of upsets. So one matchup that I look at, and I, I thank the NFL for finally not putting it into a primetime slot, is the Giants at Dallas. I feel like that matchup <laughs> is a Sunday night matchup every single time they play. I'm like, it's ridiculous. I'm like, I'm tired of this. And so luckily it's the CBS 425 time slot there and not what week the is that are you still looking at five or is that yeah it's still five. Oh yeah there you go yeah. but yeah it's oh i can't i can't stand whenever they make yeah, that, that one usually is it's so bad. boring it, it's just the I'm like okay america's team who the hell cares about the cowboys i've never actually met too many cowboys fans like and i've never met people that are willing to watch cowboys games i'm like where are you well in the giants too like i feel like the cowboys always have just because there is so many of those like, you know, stupid Cowboys fans that it's like something's always on the line. So it's like a lot of people want to see them lose, but, but yeah, that matchup has gotten so bad over the last couple of years. I want to watch. So week five here is when the first buys come up Detroit and green Bay. So brutal. <laughs> what happens if in an in a alternate universe, or even if it does happen in this universe, green Bay is like one in three going into this buy. You think they move uh, Rogers or something like that? I think it's going to be on every single sports network. And yeah, that's a good point. So they're at show. so Green Bay is at Minnesota week one. That could be a loss. Could they be. then Detroit is at Green Bay week two, so they probably have a win there. Win. And then week three, where are they in here? Uh, oh, the week three they're at New Orleans, so that could be a loss. Tough game. And then week four, who's Green Bay? Have? Oh, Atlanta at Green Bay. So yeah. I, there is a chance, though. I think that's. I don't think that's totally unreasonable, especially like, you know, if something goes bad. And Rodgers has sound like he says he doesn't think he's going to end up a Packer at the end of his career. So, yeah, I wouldn't. I if I had to bet, you know, is he going to stay there for his whole career? Or is he going to leave? Like, if Tom Brady can't retire a Patriot, then Rodgers is possible. Gone. I, yeah. I guess my point is more like this week will be do- the headlines will be dominated by that. That headline exactly, basically. Yeah. Like, Rogers well, and then, Packers, the end. And then they come off the bye at Tampa Bay. So, you know, Ooh. there's another game you could lose coming off the bye. Yeah. Overall, it's a, it's a decent week. 
it, it, like I said, it's hard to tell right now because we've literally seen no one practice except for Tampa Bay in uh, Brady's backyard. I don't know if you guys saw those leaked photos today. Was it his backyard or a high school field? It looked like his back. It it looked. It didn't look very big. Wherever I was a high school field. I'm not surprised. Just some players, some Tampa Bay players, like with receivers. Um, Uh, I I don't know. know. There was a good amount of play, or like there's maybe maybe less than five. I think. Leads practice at Tampa Prep School, huh? Yeah. They're willing to break the rules down here. Although we're we're in a different sort of uh, phase from the state of Washington. The Seahawks. I was gonna say, yeah, I don't, I, I don't think you broke a rule doing that now. No, yeah, the, the Seahawks might actually stink because they're not gonna be able to practice till like late July. They gotta send them down to Olympia, <laughs> yeah. the capital. Yeah, yeah with the the team that's gonna be yeah biggest impacted are the New York teams and maybe Seattle. Um, and that I mean, if there's if you don't have a a good mesh and relationship with your quarterback and receivers and your center. That could that could impact you in the regular season. We'll we'll have to watch. We'll, like maybe we try to remember that going into the season, and seeing how slow some of these offenses in these highly impacted cities play and perform. Because if I had to guess, like it's going to take them a while to get the gears churning uh, at, a, yeah. at a proper rate. Yeah, you're also going to have to look at the teams that um, like thrive off of their fans too. Yeah, that's another and thing. You're yes. gonna have to Minnesota see, gonna at have to Seattle see. Yeah. normally sounds amazing on a Sunday night game. Loud, but like if there's no one in the stadium. Yeah, not quite the same advantage for sure. You're going you're gonna to hear Zach outside the stadium. Fuck you, Seahawks. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> ducks. I thought he was a uh, new uh, Seattle fan. Yeah, I thought you dubbed me. Well, only the Seattle Clippers. Mm, the Seattle Clippers, of course, of course. <laughs> Do it, Balmer. I dare you, Steve Ballmer. I dare you to move the Clippers to Seattle. <laughs> Do you know how many people would be and people would love the idea of a basketball team returning to the city, but then they'd be more upset that the team's not named the Sounders or not the Sounders, uh, the, uh, the Sonics. Yeah, the Sonics. Sonics. Oh yeah, they'd be, would like, be what? what do you mean it's not named the Sonics? Yeah, they'd they'd ha- they'd probably have to uh, to rename. But that Clippers, you know, the boat definitely works. Good, I like the I like the Seattle Clippers. I don't mind it. And I think that that team, like not, not whether the team would be good or not, but that the team would have a ton of interest out here. I mean, Bezos could just buy out half the stadium and give his employees free tickets. So yeah, multiple times. And that new key arena is going to be pretty nice. Oh yeah. That when the, are you going to be the there? Seattle for the Seattle center? Games? I know you mm-hmm. are. For the what? The NHL games next year. Oh yeah. I'm going to have to go to some of those for sure. Season tickets. Mm. Not for NHL, no. NBA, though. I'd be there. I feel like that's going to be the next big thing for young people in the city of Seattle, going to NHL games. Because young people love to go to Tampa Bay games down here for the Lightning. Young people oh, just like sure. to go to any sporting event and get drunk. Yeah, not even pay attention to the, the game. Team. Just drink. Well, it's just the concept of, like, the weeknight sports, too. Like, I, like I know kind of back in the day from, from everything that I hear with, like, the older guys in my office and stuff, they all say how, like, when the Sonics were here, those, you know, Tuesday, Thursday night games were like the place to be in Seattle and they're playing. Just Ooh, everyone Thursday night do, game? So. That's like, that's mm, prime time. Right I don't, don't believe them. It's not true. Well, this is like back, back in the day. Like not the, the last couple of like years the, before they left. Like the 90s? Yeah. 
oh yeah they were fucking really good then but i was gonna yeah. say the 2000s dude i was there those wednesday thursday games dude the stadium was dead yeah those last couple of years it was pretty bad and but, we were but... getting our asses kicked most of the time so i think a new stadium also will help you know track oh for one. sure a nice clean just state-of-the-art I think beautiful club suites oh yeah I, I, if a beer garden would be nice but uh, we'll see so moving on to week six, what do we see? What do we like? What do we hate? I Arizona like Kansas City Buffalo. Dallas. That is a great Thursday night game. KC at Buffalo. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that one's gonna be awesome. I mean, those guys are gonna be hucking the ball down the field the whole time. Yeah, I don't know because Buffalo's got a great defense. I could see this one being like a thirteen ten game. It could be, yeah. Buffalo's yeah. yeah. But that's always that. exciting, too, because you have, like, these super high-powered offenses going against yeah. a good defense. But I don't know. Has anyone really, from the small sample size we've seen of this Pat Mahomes-led offense, has there really been any defense that have done that to them, like a 13-10 to 10 game? I don't think so. Well, I, here's the thing, and Padilla, you'll remember this very vividly. The first half – of the AFC championship game, the Patriots basically had him shut down. Yeah. Like 21 to zero. Yeah. yeah, It was, they, and then obviously in the second half, it was a different story, but they, they had him shut down. And then almost the same this year, um, the the Patriots have been able to hold him as best they can. Like not, not many teams have been able to do it with any kind of efficiency, but uh, the, the Patriots maybe are the only team that have done it successfully. And Patriots should have won this last season. Nikhil Harry did not step out of bounds. He got that touchdown. That's true. Yeah, that was that was an egregious, egregious call. Yeah. That was karma for their stupid pre-snap penalty in the uh, playoffs the year before. So, oh, hush, exactly hush. so. <laughs> uh, I Ooh. also the other one that I was looking at that I thought could be, I mean, Green Bay at Tampa Bay is obviously going to be a great one. I think. Yeah, this is going to be a part of the season where we know who's going to be good and who's going to be bad. Like Los Angeles and San Francisco, there's that one's like that one could be really good or really yeah, really, really bad. bad. Could be really I, Arizona, Dallas, I think will be a good one. Yeah. It well, it also just depends on the connection that Kyler Murray has with DeAndre Hopkins, because if they could if they could build something there, they could be unstoppable. Just those two together. And then who knows? Like you said, Dallas could either be good or could either suck by that time. Yeah, that could that could be a really high scoring game um, with the amount of offensive weapons on that field. Yeah, both those teams I feel like can kind of hang around too. Like like even if Dallas is bad, I don't see them like bad for Dallas at that point would be, you know, like two and four, three and three. Zach, yeah. who do you got between Miami at Denver? Week I know six. that's. I think I, – I mean, I think that's that's a Denver win. Like, I don't think – Miami probably still isn't starting to uh, – if they are, like, he's – I don't think he's going to be that great. I, I mean, I think Denver is for sure the better team this year, and at at the altitude could be tough, so. I think we need to – and we've talked about this in the past. I think we just need to go into this season with Miami assuming that two is not going to be starter. I think they, they yeah. don't want any business in rushing him – onto that field. I think yeah. like everything we've heard about these medicals and how amazing they are and how his recovery, but there's a lot hinging on him being healthy. And also 
I think there is a proven um, whenever you redshirt a rookie in the NFL, they are that much better. Like Mahomes sat for his first year. I don't know how much it benefited him, but I can tell you when you throw a rookie in to the fire before they're ready, sometimes it can be vastly detrimental to their career and it can really mess them up for you know, for forever, really, if they're just yeah. not ready. I think also, that, also got to sit back behind Alex Smith, though. Yeah. So that was actually really nice for him. Yeah, and, and maybe, you know, I don't know what um, wisdom Fitzpatrick can impart on. Or Rosen. But I think it could be really helpful in his learning because they have to remember, he didn't play a whole lot at Bama. The total amount of games he played there wasn't a whole lot when you look at it. It's almost like, um, uh, gosh, what's his name in New York when he was at USC? He only played two seasons, not even a full two seasons. Who, Darnold? Yeah, Darnold. Yeah, he only played. Um, oh, yeah. He didn't even start his, his first year that he was a starter. He didn't even start that season. But um, uh, he, he, he only had, yeah, two seasons under his belt. That's, that's not a whole lot of snaps, um, especially when you translate going right into that NFL system i think the other side of you talking about um you know starting the not starting these young guys right away and kind of letting them learn like it's going to be really interesting with with drew lock this year in denver because i i think teams are probably kind of not really sure how to game plan for him and and like you said like he's coming into his you know second year he only started those couple of games last year like you almost wonder like obviously he's not going to be the next patrick mahomes but like we saw how he was able to come on the scene after sitting and watching and learning. And, and maybe that's something that Drew Locke can do with all those weapons. Yeah, that that's, he, I've seen a lot of places where they expect him to be that breakout star. Of yeah. The year. Um, and, and we'll see if, I mean, cause there are certainly a lot of weapons on that Denver offense between the wide receivers and the running backs. So, they can make it if anyone's going to challenge the Chiefs in that division, it's probably Denver. And um, I, I would maybe have them as an early favorite to be a wild card. I think that's a safe pick. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a safe pick too. Anything else week seven? I, I don't know if there was much else in there. I think we can of... skip Detroit and Jacksonville and move on. <laughs> <laughs> Seattle, Arizona, maybe. Yeah, yeah. that maybe, yeah. Kansas City at Denver could be another good one too. I mean, I got Denver winning that one. Yeah, that's. I mean, I like. I think we were talking about the the teams that had kind of slowed Mahomes too, and I feel. I think it was his first full year, but I do remember the game he played at Denver. They were like, they were really able to. They were kind of the first team that was able to really contain him. So you could see that being the case again. Yeah, I, I, again, we got – I think they've – this will be the second time they're playing, but Cleveland and Cincinnati, I think this will be the second time and the final time they meet in yeah. the season. Yeah, I got um, Cincinnati winning that oh, one. Oh, two early games. Yeah, that, that's another one where it's a young Joe Burrow going up against, you know. Uh, yeah. This one's my week of – this one's my week of upsets. I got Carolina over New Orleans. I got Miami over the Chargers. I got the Jets over Buffalo. Um, and I think that's it. Man, and then I, Denver I, over Kansas City. 
if you're betting on that uh, Carolina New Orleans game, Padilla, I would um, urge you not to bet on Carolina. I think <laughs> I, I think the defense is going to be top ten, you know, roughly in that top ten. But I think that offense is just going to be just terrible. I have I have no faith in CMAC, huh? I well, CMAC's. I mean, I my fear is they're going to run him into the ground because yeah, Teddy's a good manageable, you know, quarterback, but in terms of making plays downfield and really being a game changer, I, I don't see it. Like he was very, he, he was a game manager for New Orleans. They basically asked him to come in and just manage it. And, and he was great and he, he did good, but taking over full time, I just, I don't know. Like I, I don't see how they're going to score enough points solely on McCaffrey, especially going up against New Orleans. I don't know how you're going to in the dome. Yeah. I don't know how. Too. I don't know. I mean, they got they got some, yeah. But you also got to think in that dome, they don't have fans. And yeah, that's yeah. the one thing that the Saints really. I'm trying get to get into that mentality of of remembering that there's not going to be fans, even though I think there will be. I think the NFL wants by the then. Yeah. Of fans. Yeah, it's definitely could be by then. Um. It, it it'll be interesting. I don't think it'll be full capacity, but the NFL is going to want some sort of fans in there. I think the highlight of that weekend is Green Bay at Houston. I'm surprised that wasn't the Sunday night game. Yeah, 1 p.m. Fox game is interesting. Or even I'm a Monday been... night. Like, I'm kind of – I guess Tampa Bay at – At uh, the Raiders. At the Raiders. Like, it's going to be at in Vegas. So, I guess I can see what they were going for there. Yeah, but... remember, yeah, these brand-new stadiums in luxurious Inglewood, they're going to want as many primetime <laughs> games as possible in Los Angeles. <laughs> But then you even got – isn't the Monday night game the Giants versus Philly? Monday night is Chicago at the Rams. So, again, it's like another kind of – I don't know. I mean, there's – and the Thursday night game, you have that Giants How at Philly. How has Chicago oh, got just many primetime games? I get it. They're a big market, but I'm like, they're not good. They must so have faith in uh, – in what's his face? Foles? Foles. Super Bowl champ. Yeah, oh, I know. <laughs> But I, I just right. outside of that, I'm, I, I don't, I don't know what people see in Chicago. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it either. Other than they're a big TV draw. You know, the same with Dallas. Um, you know, um, I feel like, right. yeah, I, I, the, this week is there's not too many things that stand out. These ones are tough because you get, especially like week eight, you get six teams on by like when you get kind of deep into these bye weeks you lose a lot of the i'll tell you what we were denied and no one's noticing it and i'm surprised you guys didn't notice it but if tom would have just stayed we would have had jimmy g returning to new england well the best will be i think not this season but next you'll get tom returning to new england yeah well i i I think that'll just get a rousing ovation he's not gonna get booed at all no, but like Jimmy G wouldn't either. Yeah. No. People but it would Jimmy just been G. interesting because that matchup, the storylines, even though the Patriots don't give yeah. us storylines. That's right. You're that's that's a good point though. You'd have assuming you'd still ha- you'd have Brady still playing well. And then... Belichick would have swapped QBs at halftime. <laughs> I traded for you at halftime. <laughs> <laughs> um all right. anything week eight? Week eight. A lot of Dallas potential. There's a lot of potential with Week Eight. Dallas at Philly, San Fran at Seattle. How is San Fran at Seattle not 
The Jets and Chiefs? The Minnesota. Sunday night game. How is, how is Tampa and Giants the Sunday night game? Remember, it's, a new, it's the New York audience. Yeah. It's, that, that's the only reason. Like, New York's going to stink. Yeah, people are gonna like. Oh, Saquon! I'm not tuning in exclusively to watch Saquon lose. I get to the Giants winning that one. I, I, I don't know how. No, I don't. That's I don't think so. Maybe Minnesota at Green Bay. That could be really good. Yeah, if if Rogers is still on the team by then. Yeah. Yeah, Rogers. This time in the season, Rogers will be starting for the Patriots in Buffalo. Yeah, this is a pretty good down. Cam Newton. I almost wonder if Jets at Chiefs could be good. I I kind of think that the think, Jets that are going to be good. I think the Jets are going to be decent. I think they're going to be in that hunt for the division because I don't think yeah. Buffalo's going to run away with it. I think Darnold is. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like they will be better than last year. Like Darnold has some experience now. I, as long as Le'Veon Bell isn't detrimental to the offense and like doesn't do anything like he did last year. Yeah, I, I, you're gonna need more productivity who, from him. But. but who are the Jets' receivers? Who does Darnold have to throw to? They traded away their best receiver to I Carolina. It, I, th- I think you're sort of hinging it on Darnold being that talent that is up and coming and that that next level guy that people have talked about for a while. I don't yeah. know if he is up and coming. I think he's just another Josh Allen. Um, I wouldn't put those. I don't think they're similar types of players, but. I, yeah. I, based on what I saw at the end of last season, when he came back from that mono, they were getting it going. Like they were starting to really get some momentum. So that's sort of what I'm basing it off of. And I, I think the defense is pretty good. So like I said, it's, it's really, really hard to tell like if they're going to take that next step, but we're going to know by this, this point in the season, if the jets are for real or not. Yeah, maybe that'll kind of be a good indicator game. If, if they can somehow win that or keep it close, that'll be a good test for them. Okay, um, last one to go over this week, week nine. This one, we start getting some pretty good matchups again, I felt like. The Thursday night game and the Sunday night game with Green Bay at San Francisco and then New Orleans at Tampa are both going to be pretty great. Seattle at Buffalo is a good one too. Yeah. Like that one can turn out to be good. Um, that's almost brutal for Seattle because they got to play a 10 a.m. game. Yeah. Yeah, they always struggle with those ones, it, it feels like. Baltimore at Indianapolis could be good, but it just depends on basically what, what Indianapolis is by then. If Phillip Rivers is, like, meshing with, like, T.Y. Hilton. And Do you see a scenario where, like, players- Rivers goes down week one and then they have to sam- sign Cam Newton and Cam Newton is the Colts quarterback? <laughs> Maybe, or I would yeah. just literally let Brissett just do it. Or maybe just Rivers not being good even. Like, I could see him. Yeah, I think, yeah. I, if you're a fantasy owner or even if you're a fan of the Colts, I would not put much into Rivers being any good this year. No I way. Mean, I watched him play last year. I'm like, do people think this is good? Who's like, he who's just, like, throws him? the ball up and just, yeah. like, eyes closed as he's getting hit, just throws it up. Like, I'm watching this last drive in the Mexico, Mexico City game. Um, I forget who they're playing. They might have played the Raiders or someone. It's probably the Raiders. They are um, it was the Raiders or the Chiefs. Yeah, I, I can't remember who it was. But. And I'm watching him, and I'm like, he's missing every target. It's like, he can't 
And that team, like, I feel like that team last year should have been better. And it was, I feel like a lot because of him. I mean, they had some decent receivers and a decent run game and, yeah, I know, but like I know people make the joke of like, oh, he's always down by eight with two yeah. to go with the ball. But I'm like, down by down by five with a minute left. Yeah, no time and I'm like, uh, at a certain point, you have to understand like, okay, why are they in that situation? It's like, what's the one constant of the last 17 years? Him. Yeah. Um, so I I think no one's ever put the blame on him, but I'm like, where do people actually think Philip Rivers is a good quarterback? I, I'm I'm puzzled by this. He's only been to one AFC championship game and he's certainly not going to get to that AFC championship game this year. Yeah. He, well, I mean, they kind of got exposed that year. They played, um, New England. They played New England. Yeah. And that division. I mean, too, though. yeah. Oh, well, no, not, I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the most recent one. Oh, okay. The New yeah, England, one, I mean, right? Wasn't that the yeah, near New England? Like wax. Yeah. Yeah. And that team was good. That team right. was like really good. So it was like, really like you would think like, okay, they're just going to pick up where they left off and hopefully fix some things, but they absolutely went to crap the next season. Yeah. Cause that was the year that they were literally like one game behind the chiefs for that mm-hmm. division. It ended up being a wild card. Like I think they had a better record than the Pats that year, but then. So the two went. Tom Brady primetime games this week, we got Tampa Bay. Yep. Um, hosting New Orleans and then New England, who is on their 10th uh, primetime game of the year um, at New York there. I mean, are people really going to be tuning in? That, that one could be extremely, extremely boring. Um, I think that they're, the NFL is thinking two things. They're thinking if everyone's going to want to watch the Pats collapse, so if they suck, then people will want to tune in just kind of see the Pats get beat up. Or they think that maybe – Belichick really can kind of keep this thing running and they can be good. And like, yeah, they're putting, yeah, that, that people are still interested in new England. Yeah. It's almost a win-win because no matter what, like you, because of the stink people want to tune in because they think, and if they're good, then we're like, Whoa, this is like, yeah. Kind of agree with Zach. Yeah. I kind of agree with you, Zach. Like when you like looking at some of these primetime games and you're looking like, why the hell are they playing like with Tampa Bay versus the giants? Like, maybe they're looking at maybe Daniel Jones will have like a breakout game yeah, and go off and beat Tom Brady. Like that's probably what they're looking at. And I mean that new England versus the jets. I, yeah, it's probably not going to be that good, but just think Stidham or uh, Darnold could have like a breakout game and just kind of go off and then just start building their career from there. And it's like, that is a big trend every year is we like, we almost always see some young like stud breakout quarterback. So I, I mean, if you kind of look around the league, like who, who are going to be those guys? Like there's probably some people that think it could be Stidham or however you say his name. I wish we had uh, some mini camps or we would know training camp is going to start on time for all these. Yeah. Teams. That way we have a better sense of like, okay, who's even going to be the starting quarterbacks? What are some of these offenses going to start to look like? Um, you know, I could see the NFL completely, if worst comes to worst, canceling all the um, preseason, preseason games because they're not worth nearly as much. That way it gives them enough time to figure out the regular season and to host the regular season. I, I, I don't see a scenario where the, the NFL is canceling regular season games. Um, they're just built differently from every other league in this country. They're going to just force their way to make this happen.
another session in list season. We've got our top 10 movies of all time. Start us off, uh, Padilla. All right. So with my number 10, I'm going to go with Ready Player One. Hmm. Interesting. Steven Spielberg. So my number nine is going to be Dazed and Confused. A classic. Super old movie, yep. Number eight, I'm going to go with everybody's favorite movie, Friday. Oh. And number seven, I'm going with Marvel's Black Panther. God. And number six, I'm going with Goal. Wait, what was that? Goal. Goal. What's Goal? Yeah, it's a, it, it's a soccer movie. Oh. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's it's from like early 2000s. I thought we were going to have a similar top 10, but wow. Dude, this, is just this all was Marvel hard. Movies, probably. Dude, I was like, yeah, I was going through and I was just like, I like a lot of Marvel movies, but I don't know if I like them that much to put them like just straight one through 10. But I mean, I just, clearing. yeah, I got I, I, some like outside of my 10, I got a good amount of Marvel movies. Now we have to see. I, I, now I'm interested to see what, where Zach goes. You want me to go next? If you want to, yeah. So for mine, you know, I tried to find – there's a, a couple comedies that make it here for me, but for the most part, I think movies like that are kind of tough to, to get in there, so they got to be really good. So for my top ten, uh, my number ten movie, and this is one of my favorite comedies of all time. I think this is one of the few on my list that people are probably going to be like, what the hell is that? Uh, but the other guys – it's a good one. Huh. I haven't seen That's that one. You haven't seen that one? I have not. Oh, it's, it's hilarious. You got it. It's so funny. Pretty good cast, too. Um, number nine, another comedy, uh, Superbad. Just okay. kind of gets better the more you watch it. Number eight, I've got some action movies coming in here. I've got Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Just an all-time classic. At number seven, I've got The Prestige. And then at number six, I've got The Big Short. Ooh. I was waiting for that one. I thought that one was going to be in your top five. It was. I, I wanted to get it in there, but it just there's a couple that are just too uh, too good that I couldn't skip over. That one's about the housing market crash, yeah. right? Or whatever. Yeah. yeah, that one was pretty good. Do you see yourself as the Ryan Gosling character in the movie? Of course. <laughs> Uh, I did lie. I have seen the other guys. I thought you were talking about that movie that came out with McConaughey last year. What was it called? Like The Gentleman or something like oh, that? Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. That's what I thought that you were talking about. I'm like, but yes, the other guys. Fantastic movie. Oh, Fool's Gold? Fool's Gold. Fool's Gold. How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days? <laughs> Failure to Launch. Um, okay. <laughs> That's a great one. I've got a McConaughey in my top five, though. I'll, uh, Ooh, I wonder which one it is. We'll find out. All right. Yeah. So, um, so my top 10 is sort of based on the movies I've seen. And I don't really go see award-winning critical movies that, you know, critics love to rave about. I am the anti-establishment here. And my top 10 reflects that. Number 10, I have a Pixar classic. The best Pixar movie of all time. One of the best Disney movies of all time. The Incredibles. Number nine the one that started the greatest trilogy of all time in terms of superhero movies, Batman Begins. Number eight, another beginning to a trilogy, fantastic trilogy, except the third one, Back to the Future. Number seven, another start, Pirates of the Caribbean, the first one. 
And number six, I wish I could have moved it up here, but the top five is really, really solid. It's number six is the most fun I've ever had in a movie theater last year. <laughs> Watching... Uh, no, no, go ahead and get that hot pocket. Um, <laughs> Avengers Endgame. Oh, God. I, I cried. I laughed. I got out of my seat. I felt Chris all the emotions. He's the guy that's like standing up and oh, pausing when the movie. Yeah, over. I was about to say he's the guy that was clapping his damn hands. No, I was not. I had my face inside my shirt because I was crying too hard. Oh god, you should be <laughs> clapping those cheeks. inside of his like Captain America T-shirt, probably. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> all right, wow. Padilla, let's hear your top five. All right, so for my top five, this one is part of a eight movie series i'm gonna go with harry potter half blood prince Ooh. number four i'm gonna have to go with avengers endgame nice number three some people may call it one of the worst movies of all time but i think it's one of the best grown-ups oh that is a good one the, the number Sandler two movie? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and number two, the best Marvel movie out there, Iron Man. And then the number one, one, yep, the first one. And then number one, favorite movie of all time, we'll go with The Lion King. Animated. Wow. Wait, where was your McConaughey in the top five? That was me that has that. Zach. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I had him at ten, days, uh, nine, days and confused. Yep, yep. Okay. All right. Yeah, you guys are really uh, protecting the shield when it comes to these Disney movies. All right. Uh, for my top five, um, number five, just this is probably one of the best action movies that I've ever seen. And uh, I know I think Chrisanne's going to agree with me on this one. Uh, Mission Impossible 6, Fallout. Mm, a fantastic movie. Yeah. I've never just, seen any of them. Oh, you're really missing out. Those are... Those are that's I think that's they get better we'll and better. Every movie gets better and better. Yeah, I think that's the one of the best uh, action series outside of like you know like the superhero type movies. No, Fast and the Furious. No, it's way better than that. Get that. Oh shit please! All right, uh, number four, my McConaughey movie, Interstellar. Too confusing. Uh, number three, this is my favorite comedy of all time, so it had to be in the top five. I love you, man. Uh, number two, I think Kriseni mentioned the first one of this trilogy, but I think the second is the best one. So I'm going to go with The Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. And then the best movie of all time, number one, Inception. Ooh, I like that. I like that. I've never That's... seen Inception. Really? Well, I hear you have to watch it like multiple times to kind of understand really what the hell the movie is about. I think Interstellar is more confusing than Inception. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that, actually. Yeah. Hmm. Have you seen Interstellar? No. Oh. That's another Christopher movie? Nolan. You got a lot of Christopher Nolan there. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a, there's a little bit of a trend in mine, but, uh, but yeah. Uh, I guess is Interstellar the one that they get lost in space and they're just floating around? I think that's lost in space. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think that's gravity. Oh, that is, I think, gravity. Interstellar is the Matthew McConaughey one where the where like the Earth is you're they're not able to like plant things anymore and the 
basically like climate change is taking its toll and they have to like find another place to live. Um, so before I reveal my top five, I, I have to say, Zach, yeah, I, I wanted to get one of the Mission Impossibles in there, but I just probably they're in the top 15. Yeah. But those are fantastic. Another two that didn't make any of our lists here, but are probably great honorable mentions. National Treasure, the first that, one. I was going to say that's my, uh, that was my number 11 that I was just like, I don't know if I can put this in here. But and that, you, got, you guys talking about comedies. I'm a little surprised this one didn't get in for any of our list. Tropic Thunder. That is a great one. I'm surprised Step Brothers didn't get in there. That one kind of annoys me, that movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, number five, I've got the best James Bond movie of all time, Casino Royale. Oh. Number four, I'm going to go with Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Number three, here's my critically acclaimed movie and just overall fantastic movie, Gladiator. That is a good one. That is a good one. Uh, number two is really number five. Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back. Is that the wow, one? That's where... your number two movie. Yeah. Wow. Love that movie. Is that the one where Anakin kills the kids? No, that's Episode Three: The Revenge wow. of the Sith. That one's great. And number one, this is really going to piss off Zach, but I can watch this movie whenever it is on TV. I will sit and watch the whole seven. thing. Well, close. Captain America, the Winter Soldier. <laughs> oh, thank God. I thought you were going to say Captain America, the first Avenger. I was going to slap you through the microphone. Is Winter Soldier like the original Captain America? No. The Captain America, the first Avenger one is. Padilla, we exactly. saw the Winter Soldier on opening day in Pullman together. We, yeah, we, used all those, yeah. we, we used all those free movie tickets we got from the popcorn oh, yeah. bucket. Yeah, you freaking cheated. Well, you know. You got, you got, you got us. It's on tape now, too. <laughs> They're never going to induct you into the Edward Murrow Hall of Fame now, Chrisenny, for what <laughs> well, you did. So I got one thing for you guys. What's one honorable mention? It doesn't have to be number 11 or whatever. Just one of your guys' favorite movies that you guys didn't have in the top 10. I think mine is national treasure. Like Grisani brought up, like both of those, I think are just so enjoyable. Maybe think like something like the Godfather. That one's just a fantastic movie from beginning to end. Oh, you guys are coming in with these classics and I'm about to throw out too fast, too furious. Oh God. I, looking back, so yeah, how bad. did how did like the Fast Five and like the Fast and the Furious not make it in there for you, Padilla? Yeah, that is surprising. I was I was thinking about it, and I was just like, I I watch all the Fast and Furious movies when they're on TV. Like I can watch them whenever, but uh, I think they've just been on too much lately that I was just like, yeah, seen it too many times, kind of over it. Ooh, I you can't know, not um, laugh at those. Like whenever I see them on, it's it, like anytime. Vin Diesel opens his mouth. I'm just like, oh my god, this is so bad. Yeah, they just continued. They're gonna be in space next now. Yeah. Um, Which no, Tom Cruise yeah. is headed to space for a movie soon. Yeah, that's well. Hopefully, he stays there. <laughs> he's trying to save the world, man. Um, he's come back. Yeah, I gotta. Uh, here's one that I know that both of you like probably, but especially Zach. I, I gotta say, the Brendan Fraser Mummy movie. Oh, the first one. <laughs> Then the I Scorpion King, the, the Rock. 
Oh, that one was terrible. That was the Rock's I, first movie ever. Kriseni, I think uh, it's funny you bring that up. I actually watched, um, I think it was the second one recently. It was within the last like year. I, I remember I was at, I think I was at home over like Christmas or something like that. And for some reason we decided to put that one on and it does not hold up. It was just painful. The second one or the first one? I think it was the second. The first one's amazing. I think the first one still holds up well. Yeah. The second one was just, and then you see like the CGI effects of the rock as the scorpion king and like the very end when he's kind of got that little cameo scene. It's just like, dude, this is yeah, hard to watch. And then the third one, third one's even worse. Third one's, <laughs> third one's worse. so bad. Yeah. We've reached that time once again for our sports soapbox rants featuring our grievances from across the sports realm. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now you're going to hear about it. Kriseni, what's your rant? So we just finished the 10 part masterpiece that was The Last Dance, a documentary about the Bulls and Michael Jordan, this legendary team, all these characters, 10 part documentary. And we didn't finish it. And no later than 10 minutes later did I see these, who's getting a documentary next? Who's going to be the next 10-part documentary? Who's the next we're going to talk about? We need to do the Malice in the Palace next or the 2000, early 2000s Lakers or the Warriors or the Cavs. Are you kidding me? Get, get out of here. Get out of here. I know we are fiending for sports right now. We, we need sports. I get that. But it's almost an insult an insult to suggest that anyone else deserves a 10-part documentary, let alone a five-part or even a four-part documentary besides this team and Michael Jordan. The legendary things that happened through the course of this 15 to 20-year run is remarkable. The storylines, the, the characters that were assembled here. What's interesting about Kobe and LeBron? Nothing. They were copycats of Jordan. Jordan was an original idea. He didn't have this inspirational characters to look up to in the league, much like Kobe and LeBron did. We've seen also so many documentaries and behind-the-scenes footages and TV shows and all this footage of LeBron and Kobe and all these other characters that we think deserve to have these documentaries and these masterpieces. What's going to be interesting about that? I'm not saying that they shouldn't be made, but they, to say we need to give a 10-part series to anyone else, get out of here. This was about the best of all time, and nothing else comes close. For my rant, as we find ourselves at the end of The Last Dance, we're, start, we're finally starting to see it for what it is. ESPN, the NBA, and Netflix joining hand-in-hand hand to push the Nike and Jordan brand and profit off it. At a time when sports content is few and far from in between, we aren't given a deep dive into the dominance of the 90s Bulls, discussing their excellence on the court. Instead, we have a 10-part infomercial to market the Jordan brand and tell us that nothing will ever be cooler than it, with a championship sprinkled in here and there. The series has been round two of the Hall of Fame speech, and another platform for Michael to double down on people he's had feuds with, justify his reasoning for controversial decisions over the years, all while being showered by praises of people in the sports media who just hope that their takes make Michael like them even more. Have we really learned anything new in this documentary besides access to a few tapes of Jordan being a dick to his teammates, something we already knew? Maybe if it was more than a highlight tape, we wouldn't have people saying players like LeBron and Kobe deserve one too. At the end of the day, Michael Jordan was always about putting your money in his pocket, which is why it comes to no surprise that Nike drops re-releases of his iconic sneakers at the exact same time the episodes air, 
when Jordan wears them, or that websites like StockX report that Jordan brand sneaker sales are up 40% over the time the documentary is aired. The purpose of this documentary is never to move the needle about the conversation as to who's the GOAT. LeBron people still think it's LeBron, Kobe people still think it's Kobe, and Jordan stands still give the same arguments we've heard since 1998. The Jordan rebrand experience has been a success, except a rebrand would imply that they're changing how something is marketed. This was a brand refresh. Here's the same message we've given in the past. Please buy again. Maybe I expected too much when I was promised to see some things we've never seen before, but I'm still left wondering more about the Jordan rules, the landscape after the sixth ring, more about what broke them up, or maybe anything at all about his family and personal life. The Last Dance was extremely entertaining, but it felt more like a movie than documentary. Herein lies the crux of a documentary that must be fully approved by the person it tells the story of. This isn't the story about Michael Jordan. It's the story from Michael Jordan. I, I don't know if it's worth diving nope. into. So you're nope. saying you didn't learn nope. anything? Guess what? No, nope. don't really. even go into it. Because guess what, Zach? I'm about to roast your ass. I like what you just said, Zach, but the one thing that I'm going to talk about is LeBron stands, and you are probably one of the biggest ones. Out of this whole 10-part series, all you were doing was just taking notes, writing stuff down on your little pad, just basically coming up with any single way that you can to basically address that LeBron James is better than Michael Jordan. This series was not in any way to basically show that Michael Jordan was better than LeBron in any way, it was basically to enjoy the 1990s and experience exactly what that Bulls team went through, Michael Jordan, and what the, the city of Chicago went through. But for some reason, you and all these LeBron fans can't sit down on a Sunday night and just enjoy two hours of your day and just watch a documentary. You guys, literally, I feel so bad for you guys because you guys can't enjoy something like that which was the most watched documentary in ESPN history. And you have to literally come up with stuff like that about rebranding. Oh, Jordan was just trying to make money. No, Zach, this was about sports. This was about Michael Jordan. This was about that Chicago Bulls dynasty. It had nothing to do with money, rebranding, nothing to do with Jordan trying to come up with ways to say that he's better than LeBron James. All this had nothing to do with LeBron James. Is LeBron a cheater? Is LeBron a cheater? Is LeBron a cheater? Is LeBron a cheater? Is LeBron a cheater?